What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to catch up with Greg of Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. We had Greg on the podcast just before they released their most recent record, Perspective, and uh, that was last year. So it was rad having the opportunity to catch up with Greg. We did that over Zoom video. Greg kind of recaps his origin story as far as how he got into music, how the band started. But we talk a lot about their recent album, Perspective, because it hadn't yet came out when we chatted with Greg last time. He dives in a lot into their live set, the fact that they've never played the same set twice in over 15 years, which is absolutely mind-blowing to think about. So Greg really dives into kind of the ethos of the band when it comes to live performances and jams and really how they curate their set lists when they're performing at, whether it's a festival or their own show. They're constantly writing new music. They're already premiering new music during their live shows now. They've got a big tour coming up, but we talked a lot about Huloween, which is this huge festival happening in Florida that Pigeons Playing Ping Pong are on. So he talks about that as well. You can watch our interview with Greg on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with pigeons playing ping pong. What's up, Greg? How are you? I'm great. How's it going? I'm doing well. Um, we've met before. I don't know if you remember. Uh, we chatted uh, about a year ago um, before yeah. your most recent record came out. I thought so. Awesome. Yeah. Good to see you again. Yeah. Good to see you again. Are you in the van? I am in the car, actually. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I got a like band thing right after, but we got time. Um, can you hear me? I have my ears in. I could also take them out if that's better. No, it sounds great. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Last time I chatted with you, I think you were probably in your house. You had your, uh, the pigeons behind you, that art, the piece of art behind you. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's pigeons all over the house. <laughs> Amazing dude. Well, uh, again, I'm Adam and it's uh, great to chat. I'd love to catch up. Um, this podcast is Again, about you and your journey in music, we kind of got the origin story of the band last time. So um, maybe we could just recap on that a little bit. And I want to talk to you maybe a bit more because the album hadn't came out. It was coming out like on that coming Friday or something in April 2020 last year, I think. Um, and yep. then I want to talk to you about the the festival you have coming up in Florida. That all sounds great. I could talk about that and anything else, man. Awesome. Uh, cool. So I remember you, you were... What, born and raised in Long Island, right? Long Island, New York? That's right. Yep. Port Washington, New York, on the north shore of Long Island, not too far from the city. And uh, yeah, it was a good place to live. I like living in Maryland now, but, um, you know, it all started in New York. Yeah. I remember you saying that you, you really started playing guitar kind of late, right? That you, the band kind of started when you're in college, right? I mean, you met the guys kind of right away. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I always was a singer. I've been singing since I was like five years old or as long as I can remember. Um, but eventually I wanted to start playing guitar just so I could kind of accompany myself and, you know, just 
it's you know you kind of see it on tv and in the movies like when you go to college you're probably playing guitar at a campfire at a, at a party or <laughs> whatever dorm party so or up, exactly right so it's what you do so i picked up guitar and um took a few lessons and really didn't like that structured uh you know vibe of it so i, I put it down for a while picked it back up right before school and started teaching myself you know the songs i actually wanted to play because mary had a little lamb was pretty boring in hindsight, I wish I stuck with it, you know, uh, from the get-go <laughs> with sheet music and things like that. But it wasn't jazzing me up. So uh, ultimately, I just started, you know, teaching myself classic rock and things like that. And uh, I had been playing for about six months when I went to school. And on the first day of college, similarly, like because I've seen made-for-TV movies about college, uh, I walked down the hall of my freshman dorm with guitar in hands to make some friends and ended up after uh, a couple swings and misses that first day of school meeting Jeremy Schoen, our guitarist, who uh, we started jamming the first day I met him and um, we'll be jamming later today. So 15 years later. That's uh, wild. Even, even even longer from that from that first time we met. I met him in the fall of 2006. So, God, it's been, what, 17 years? That's just insane. Man. Um yeah, half my life I've been jamming with Jeremy. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Well, you said there was a couple of swings and misses where you just cruising around the halls with the guitar and we're like, oh, hey, do you play? And they're like, yeah, no. no. There were, well, yeah, there were, well, there were other people playing guitar with their door open because they must have seen the same movie I did. Okay. Uh, and we, we just jammed on some stuff that, like, you know, didn't vibe really well. I mean, I just... um coming up in long island we didn't listen at least my friends and family didn't really listen to a lot of bluegrass and uh -huh. there were some folks playing things like that and i just uh my ears weren't ready for it yet uh, but when i walked into jeremy's room he was much funkier and and uh he's a little bit of jazzy stuff and i wasn't listening to jazz at all but uh it just vibed a lot better and we just clicked as friends as well I ended up being friends with the people I jammed with initially, but we did not start a, uh, a psychedelic funk band together. Yeah. That's so funny though. You go into the dorm room like, Oh dude, you play. Yeah. And then they're playing for you playing for a few minutes. You're like, okay, yeah, cool. Dude. Nice to meet you. And then what you just, I remembered he had a black acoustic guitar. We played wagon wheel and I just, my, my, my mind, uh, my ears weren't ready for that yet. Now I, I think wagon wheel is great. But coming fresh out of Long Island, it was very foreign to me. That's uh, so but funny. I, I hadn't, I mean, Jeremy really morphed my musical taste in general. I hadn't listened to any jam music at all uh, when I went to school. I was much more like, you know, pop radio, classic rock from my dad in the car. And um, I was in musicals as a kid. So, like, I listened to a lot of, like, System of a Down. I listened to, like, Eminem and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Stevie Wonder and I really, I had never heard of Soul Live or, you know, oh, yeah. the New Masters Sounds or, you know, any of these bands. I, I had never listened to Fish at all. And after meeting Jeremy, fast forward a few years, I'd seen them like 50 times. Um, so he really, oh, wow. you know, opened me up to this world and I'm, I'm forever indebted to him for it. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. You hadn't heard those bands. Then pretty soon you got a Blacklight poster and some incense and. Well, there were black guys. <laughs> just kidding. They, they were just sublime. They were sublime. You know, they, they were, I had been to Spencer Gifts 
Um, I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have been to Spencer's gifts. Yeah, I knew my way around some incense in a, in a dark basement, but not for fish. It didn't last as long. <laughs> That's too where, funny, where man. Where did you grow up, Adam? I grew up in San Diego, so oh, I know. Really? I, yeah, I know quite about a bit about the reggae uh, world and Sublime was a big, big part of my life growing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, in San Diego reggae is a massive scene i mean yeah. yeah just there we had bands like uh you know pepper lived there and slightly yep. stupid did some uh moved out of there and um yeah it was just uh that was kind of the ethos of a lot of san diego i mean we had a lot of uh like pod and stuff came from there blink obviously but um i i used to be on the radio i worked on the radio for 17 years and uh that was a big piece of our catalog was like sublime every hour and yeah. you know, Bob Marley. We had like a whole date or every Sunday morning was dedicated to Bob Marley. And uh, yeah, that was just kind of the, the, the vibe, which I wasn't really, I mean, growing up there, that wasn't like what I tend to like, you know, cater to, but um, I've yeah. always had a big appreciation for it. Well, and, and I had, I'd listened to Pepper before college, you know, and, and like the Expendables and oh, some, sure. some, of my, some of my friends are like way into reggae, still are. Um, they might be coming to Baltimore for a festival this summer for uh, reggae bands, which is cool. Um, but I get it. Like, you know, that's when to do something, you know, oh, sorry, right, you, froze other there. Places, you said oh. you, I, I heard you say I get it. And then it kind of cut out. Well, if there's like reggae uh, in your hometown and everyone listens to that, you have to go counter to reggae, right? You have to find your own, you know, counterculture option. Whereas in other places, reggae like is the counter or could have been the counter to top 40. Right. Pretty funny. No, no, 100 percent. Like my friends in high school, a lot of my friends, because I liked punk. I was into punk and like emo and and that world in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And the, like my friends were going to the Pepper concerts and and they're like, oh, dude, Pepper's playing. And it was like, again, we're going. And I'm like, I'm good. Like, you know, and then I eventually kind of gained. Res- I like the band now. I met the guys when I worked at the radio station and stuff and they're great. But it was just at the time, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, it just wasn't my my vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Right. Like I I, I looked like my view of fish without listening to their music was completely backwards to what the community actually is about and what their shows were about. Just, uh, you had to kind of experience it firsthand and, you know, I totally get that. It's a journey. No, hundred percent. I've seen fish once and it was, uh, I was doing radio in San Francisco for about five years and they played the, the festival outside lands and, it was they I think they played for three hours. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, fish at a festival is very different from fish at a, at their own show. Even oh, I for bet. us, like, you know, w- when we're traveling around playing festivals in the summer, it's it's a balance between like wanting like we always keep our set list fresh. We've never repeated a set in our career. And uh oh my gosh. In fifteen years like, or yeah, you, you guys yeah. haven't repeated it? Yeah, not to my knowledge. Um, but when you're at a festival, you also like because we love playing like bust out songs or covers we haven't played in years. It keeps it fresh for us. But when you're at a festival, you also have to balance like, okay, 
this is not just people who are coming to see our band. There's people who are just walking around and stopped in front of the stage. Maybe we should play some of the, you know, songs that are a little well more well known or a little less rare, uh, mixed in with, you know, bust outs that that are exciting for us and, and the fans too. And we actually this this past weekend, uh, we kind of were talking about that and played a lot of stuff that people know, but we also played some brand new songs. And it was a rainy festival, so we decided to throw in "Love Rain or Me" by the by the Who. Just That's to rad. Lean into that as well. So it, it's funny how um, you kind of have to think about, to a degree, you have to think about who's there and who's seen you before and who hasn't. But you also have to do what vibes with you and not overthink about what people want to hear because ultimately you got to play what you want to hear and hope they like it. You know, because once yeah. you get too caught up into like what people want it really waters down the whole process and it's, it's not as genuine. So it, it's an interesting kind of uh, mental balance and mental gymnastics to, to put that list together. I was going to say, especially if you're not repeating it ever. Right. I mean, like, how do you even, like, well, we repeat songs, just not, right, but in, not, in but not in the order. right, in that yeah. order. Right. But I mean, after so many shows, I remember uh, we were talking before and you were saying you guys are doing like 200 shows a year. Like how do you times X amount of years? Like, do you just know like, okay, here's like five or six songs or maybe there's 10 songs. Like we know we'll play these a few times during the tour, uh, almost like every night of the tour, whatever. And we just have to figure out what other things to kind of slide in there. No, it's not. So I, I'm sure some bands do it like that. And, uh, and to clarify, we used to, we used to play 200 shows a year. Now we probably play like anywhere from 90 or, or 90 to 110 or so it's still a lot oh still um, i mean even 190 yeah. sh- i mean 90 shows to not repeat your lit set that's yeah well and and but no we we don't like say okay these these 10 songs are going to get played we really just uh we have over 100 originals we right. probably have like four or five hundred covers at this point like i don't even know <laughs> oh um so you have options and what we really kind of i think about more and and our jeremy our guitarist writes writes the bones of the set first and then we weigh in and tweak it together um we think about just like overall flow like you know depending on where we are do we come out absolutely swinging for the fences or do we ease them in and then from that peak uh, at what point does the crowd need a break from like high energy you know to high fast tempo stuff to kind of cool down and groove to something else um, so it's kind of just like looking at the bigger picture and and then we have different songs that serve different purposes. Like we have songs that close the set really well, or like we have songs that like are, are a nice exclamation point as an encore. We also have songs that, like I said, give you that like kind of break from the like overwhelming excitement that like grooves in cool different ways to give you a second to like catch your breath but still be you know interested in what's going on with the soundscapes that we're working with and we kind of you know can can swap those out for different um you know song types as we tour um and kind of just like focus on the peaks and valleys of the sets and not so much like what specific song gets played and then of course like we do keep in mind, like we just released a last time we spoke, we released an album perspective. Uh-huh. Um, and when we were on that tour, we did try to like, you know, within the peaks and valleys of the show, let's make sure we sprinkle in some of the new album um, because we're touring. It's literally perspective tour. So like right. ideally, but like, that's not a rule. And 
whereas I think in you know pop music or maybe other bands focus more on that like and maybe our managers wish we did more uh if it doesn't <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna force a song into a set if it doesn't serve the set and serve right. the show and we also uh like we jam so sometimes you know a song lasts 10 minutes longer than usual because the jam was really unique and interesting and we chased the rabbit hole and the, that means we have to cut something off the set on the fly or swap swap out the last song for a shorter one because we're running out of time so it's good to have uh we often have like a little bit of a backup list like a short list of maybe five tracks that we could sub in uh we often have like one shorty uh available because a lot of our songs are longer but it's nice yeah. to have a couple four minute songs in your back pocket in case especially at a festival where you know you need to end on time so the next band starts and and the schedule stays on it's nice to have some backups to uh, just so you can let songs take you on a journey and you don't feel like you have to wrap it up to stay on schedule if it's going well you know yeah I, I, two things that you said that really intrigued me one is we'll 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 hold on to it we'll you know have a shorty wait you know just kind of there like a four minute song which coming from right, radio yeah. you know like <laughs> if somebody tries to pitch a four minute song like a lot of radio programmers would be like you're out of your mind let's cut this down into like 2 30 you know what i mean and yeah. you guys are like yeah like four minutes you know have a short song in there and then that's something like, you know, we try not to overthink about these days, but over the years, like when we record our albums in the studio, that is a conversation where like, okay, are there sections of this song where we could trim the fat a little bit, but not lose like the integrity of the song structure. So, you know, like a vamp when like, a, you know, in between verses, can we cut this vamp in half and then, you know, you know jeremy might be like oh no i actually this builds because i play this line the first time and then the second half of the vamp i play it a different one and it lifts it up other times he's like yeah it's it you know i we all play the same parts we could we could trim this down and try to keep it like slightly more concise and i wouldn't say radio friendly because now they're still not 230 you know right time, yeah yeah fun time but uh you know we we want to keep the listener engaged and it's always an interesting practice taking the live expansive song and seeing where we can make it a little more concise and a little more focused while not losing any of the key flavors. Yeah, 100 percent. And and I love that you guys are you you almost essentially just me again, going from like a programming world. You program your set in a way where it's like you guys are DJing the crowd in a sense like, OK, this is going to we need this set to go. Is it going to come out like we're going to come out, you know, heavy here not heavy but like you know a beat and then we got to kind of drop it down and like you kind of like have the peaks and valleys uh inserted into your set a certain way and that itself takes a lot of you know thinking and work and just to kind of even build something that would be enjoyable to a crowd of people sure yeah and it's, it's all about like yeah the set and setting like what time of day is it you know um some songs like slap a lot harder at night when the light show is you know blinding and we can you know really get after it right out of the gate like if we're playing a late night set at midnight it's going to be a different opener than uh you know four o'clock day set you know right. and uh and we also like let that setting and you know uh the situation kind of dictate where we should where we should play like if you know cover wise we're going to play probably different covers if it's a sunny beautiful day 
versus inside in a late night barn you know like it's just uh you kind of let it flow and and you know i think for bands that are like again like in the pop scene where if they have you know a two-hour banging show and they play it every night i'm sure that gets dialed in so hard and it's incredibly effective and they know what's coming and they just work on the nooks and crannies but it's like a product that they can deliver guaranteed whereas Mm -hmm. you know on the, on the other hand, though, I could see that getting, as a performer, kind of stale, hard to find inspiration when it's night in, night out, the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's at least coming from the jam world. It's so exciting for us every show because, you know, even if we know what songs are on the set list for starters, the jams are truly improvised. So, you know, like, we start in the same spot and we hope to end in the same spot, but that middle section really could go anywhere. And it makes us feel like like we're almost in the crowd you know and i think that's what is exciting for fans and i mean just w- the other month we uh we threw our own music festival called dome fest and uh-huh. for the pre we had a pre-party and we ended up playing a one song set for 70 minutes and it was <laughs> it, it, it was purely purely improv and it was really exciting and you know some parts were badass and some parts were like, Oh, where are we going? And we find our footing. And I think that's like, it was like a choose your own adventure that the fans and we were a part of in real time. It was so much fun. And uh, I don't know, that's just the way that we, we approach things. I, I bet if we put together a 75 minute set of our, you know, best bangers and our best like valleys for the peaks like i'm sure it would be a very effective show but i think it would get old really quick if you're an independent artist you may know the struggle of you got these great songs how do i get them in front of record labels radio djs get them on spotify playlists how does this happen Well, friends, this is adam from bringing it backwards and i'm going to tell you about this amazing website called drop track DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators, and now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then DropTrack will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, And these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine has been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs. But he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. 
That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, Drop Track, droptrack.com. Check it out today. You guys have been doing this for such a long time with such success. Like, why change the format? You know what I mean? Like, oh, would no, your, never, your fans would be like... We're not considering it at all. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I know you're not. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, if you were, your fans would be like, what the hell? Like, we just saw this. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. That would be a funny way to make headlines. Like, Jam Band plays same set in two nights. Um, <laughs> That's like a Hard Times article. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, celebrated for their ingenuity. Um, yeah, I, uh, we're also, like, so fortunate to see a lot of the same faces in the crowd every night. Um, at least even, like, on, like, for a week in the same region where it's doable travel-wise. Or some people have gone for a three-, four-week tour every show. And it's, you know, we are almost... We, yeah, we want to keep it special for us and, and fresh for them. And, you know, it's just so much fun doing it that way. That's cool. I'm curious if on that set, you said you guys did one song and it went 70 minutes. You vocally, is that, are you just jamming? Or like, how do you, do you come in and sing pieces? Or is, is it for you? Or are you just kind of like, they're in the midst and the mic is just there waiting, waiting for you? Yeah, yeah I didn't sing in the middle of this one. We've done uh, one song set, I think, three times. and. I don't think I ended up singing in any of them, but it's available if that's where the mood was taking us. In fact, afterward, my, our bassist, Ben, was like, yeah, when we got into that like reggae section, I had this like vocal idea. I decided not to do it. I wasn't sure, but I was like, hey, man, like it's it's improv. You know, I also almost started singing at one point, but there's also something kind of cool about playing instrumental for that long. Right. But, um, you know, yeah, it, I, it, it's. Like I said, this is it was truly a choose your own adventure. The microphone was sitting there waiting for me and I almost went to it. But you don't want to force it. And you really got to listen to what everyone is playing. And uh, as soon as someone like gets too, you know, hopped up on one idea and, and kind of tries to push it through, that's where it starts to fall apart. You really got to drop the ego and play as a group. So, yeah. I felt it, but the mere fact that I second guessed myself, I'm happy I didn't sing. Cause it, you know, especially with something like improvised singing, like you need to like know what you're doing, feel it in your soul and let it rip. You can't be like, Ooh, what could I rhyme with here? You know, like you really just gotta right. let, it, let it roll, you know? Yeah. Um, just to actually, I, cause I didn't talk to you about this or ask you about this uh, in the last interview. Um, do you come from a musical household at all? I mean, you said you started singing at an early age. Like, what kind of sparked that? Or like, you know, I mean, my my family likes music, but no one's a singer, no one's a musician. Um, I grew up around great music, but it was it was nothing like out of this world. Like I, I probably told you last time, like Stevie Wonder, Elton yeah, John, yeah. Billy Joel from Long Island, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, um, but. You know, the big thing when I look back on it is when I in in first grade, I met one of my best friends for life. He was uh, a co-best man at my wedding with Jeremy, okay. um, just a brother from another mother. And his mom was the uh, his parents were musical and involved with theater. And his mom was the director for most of the school plays in our, you know, from elementary school or uh, definitely in in high school um and being best friends with him and going to his house all the time i wouldn't say we listened to music a lot at his house but i got involved with the plays at a very young age 
And that's where I started singing. And as I got older, he did choirs. His older brother did choirs. I did choirs. So, uh, you know, so so it was kind of like uh, I called her back in the day, mommy number two, because I was at their (laughs) house so much. And mommy number two is a musical theater nut and a director and uh, definitely is is how I ended up down that path. That's cool. That is cool. Did you do musical theater through high school? Yeah, so I I was uh, I think in kindergarten everyone has to be in the kindergarten circus. Yeah, I was, my my work. son's in second grade and he's done well he does dance which is different but he's been in like two they've done like two plays you know kindergarten right, they, and first grade they're like everyone has to tape. do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and, and it, it took for me like I, I really enjoyed doing it but I also played sports and I ended up playing soccer and doing musicals from like five to seventeen. Um, so, uh, eventually come like junior year of high school, I ended up, I think I dropped soccer, uh, at least in the high school, uh, I still played in like club and whatever, but I started doing two musicals a year instead of one, because normally the sports season would steal me from one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, ultimately, ultimately the musical theater won, um, that battle, but I did both for, for my whole, uh, you know, childhood and it really prepared me to be on stage like it's you know i um it's weird you know i think when people get nervous before shows i think that's a positive thing it means they care it means that they're you know amping themselves up for the upcoming adrenaline rush and all that Mm -hmm. but i've been on stage for so long like i can i can hardly remember not being on stage that i don't unless it's like really an enormous show or someone tells me that which I prefer they not, but someone tells me like some important big wig is in the crowd. I, right. I really don't get like butterflies per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also because when I was 10 years old, I forgot my lines on stage in the taming of the shrew and froze and was quiet on stage while everyone looked at me uh, for 10 seconds. And I figured it out and got through the scene and like realized that life goes on and it, it's okay for that to happen. It's not, as bad as your, you know, anxieties might make it seem it would be so right. surviving that. And, and, you know, all the various things from the 20, however many uh, musicals I was in prepared me to just like be comfortable. I, I will say though, there was a big adjustment going from doing plays to playing concerts, because when you're doing a play, you can hide behind your character. Like, uh, I'm not goofy. That's just what the cowardly lion would have done. Right. All of a sudden it was like, nope, this is Greg Ormont. And everything he says and does is a reflection of what he feels and thinks and acts. And that was an adjustment to get, to get used to. Cause uh, it's, it's a little more, it's a little more naked when you're, when it's known that it's just, this is just you and this is how you act. And this is the banter you chose to say at that moment and on the fly and things like that. Uh, But you know, like it's, you know, 15 years later, I, I'm, I'm comfortable in that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, cause if, you know, you said the, the, the lion, right. You're, you're, everyone knows the wizard of Oz and they know what to expect. And you kind of have that, like, okay, this is already a hit. You, you, you're, you're in a hit in a sense. Right. And like, if you're going up to a stage with your own music, Oh, do you got a roll? No, no. Oh. Someone just hit uh hit a gentleman who opened his car door and hit it the opposite way. And we'll see how this goes. But um, my car <laughs> is fine. I was just checking. Oh this man. Is why, this is why you take interviews in the house. Although my dogs would probably be chasing cats and you know, there's always something. But this also adds to the interview because now you just witness 
an accident. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that, that, that's right. <laughs> and it was I, recorded. I, I, and if the court you. needs this, I will yeah. license it have to the them audio. for a certain price. <laughs> yeah. I can confirm his, uh, his door is not closing because it was hit in the opposite way. And I don't think, I think she knows. Okay. Um, <laughs> all as well. It's funny, oh, yeah. I was considering parking there. Good thing you didn't. I mean, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I was just saying like, yeah, because you're going up on stage with your own material and you are a sense having to be yourself and, 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 and you know, a banter with the crowd or do do your thing in a certain way. And also, like, I mean, you said you forgot your lines. It's like it's interesting because you remember that. Right. But everyone else in that crowd that night doesn't that, that, that's not even a thought in their mind you know what i mean like or even after the fact <laughs> well, and uh, or even like you know today right so like having a bit of perspective there where you, you know yeah they probably maybe maybe some said oh remember when that kid forgot his life that night and then maybe even if it was really bad three years someone would be like remember that time that kid forgot okay but now <laughs> now it's been like 25 years right and I don't think it comes up a lot. And if it did, who cares? <laughs> if it you know? did, that guy's got some problems. And the other, let's be and, honest. <laughs> and the other thing, it's like what felt like a traumatic experience for me. Well, I mean, you know, clearly I've had a blessed life if that's a traumatic experience for me. But like it ended up being one of the most important things that ever happened to me. And I try to like think about that all the time. You know, mm -hmm. like there's that classic old fable where, you know, uh, there's like a, a farmer and a wild horse, you know, shows up on his farm and he's like, wow, what the, all the townspeople are like, wow, what great news. You got a new horse. And he's like, yeah, it might be good. Might be bad. We'll see. And then, uh, you know, the next day, uh, his son gets on the wild horse and the, the horse throws the son off, off the horse. He breaks his back and everyone's like, oh no, what bad news. Your son broke his back. And he said, yeah, it might be good. Might be bad. And then the next day, the the army comes to recruit all the able-bodied men, and the son's life is saved because he hurt himself, and it might be good or might be bad. So, like, that type of thing, like, with the taming of the shoe, I was like, wow, that was mortifying. I am, you know, maybe I won't do this anymore. And then years later, it ended up, you know, giving me the confidence to be loose with my banter. And who knows? Maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe I'll end up saying something really stupid because I'm too loose, but I, I I try not to like take it at face value. Right, right. Well, that's a beautiful perspective on it. Um, going into because last time I, we, we talked, you hadn't had perspective out and now you do. And you were talking to me about working on it over the pandemic and kind of having that time. And we're able to collaborate quite a bit with other people. And um, since that since then, are you guys writing have you been writing on a new music or was it like basically okay now we can tour let's play festivals and work and you know obviously play out this record but like what are you guys working on now as far as music goes oh man yeah we are constantly writing music it does not matter if an album came out today we're at practice writing new songs it's just it's just exciting you know and uh yeah i mean we are you know when we're not on stage, we're working on, you know, new music, new ideas. We have our music festival where you have other events throughout the year. We're, we're constantly like, this is our 100% full-time gig. And we're always, always writing. Like I said, you know, just this past 
week and and uh, at dome fest recently we released two new songs and we got more in the bag like we're always always uh always writing and and always uh working on our individual stuff working together working in uh you know so and again like like i kind of been saying like it, it's it's more exciting when you're when you're playing something new like well, there's some songs we've played a million times and it's fun to play those songs but again it, for me i'm really looking forward to the jams of those songs because i know like how the verse goes how the chorus goes but once we get to that jam it's back to like you know the truly unique experience of it all mm-hmm. and when you play new music those verses and choruses feel really fresh and that's that's exciting it's a good like dose of uh excitement yeah and you guys always do albums too which i think is so cool yeah instead of being like okay i got two songs i'm gonna put those out a sing i mean you guys do singles obviously but then it always leads into an album well because we always are writing uh like a practice and stuff and debuting stuff on tour instead of like waiting to release albums with all this material like i feel like whenever you could stop us at any point and we can get in the studio and probably record one and a half, two albums of songs that aren't on studio, um, you know, at at any given time. So like, even if we hopped in the studio and started recording, we probably already have another one ready. It's just a matter of like, we like experiencing it live. Like we like debuting music and seeing what the crowd responds to. Um, Cause again, when we were talking about like where we could potentially trim the fat, I can visibly see if like a vamp is too long and we like lose them for a second. They We get them back. But like if there's like a 10 second window, sorry, uh, if there's like a 10 second window, I uh, I can I can see where we can maybe trim things. Um, so oh, do you got to roll. Uh, is that no, the well, no, accident the, the person? People, the people who got in the accident probably do want me as a witness, which I can provide for them. But I don't think they know that I'm on a very important podcast right now. <laughs> um, well, let, there's, let, so there's, there, there's like the phone signal, but there's not the like we're rolling. I guess I could say we're rolling, but we need like the pod, the podcast hand signal for these moments. We do. You should. Uh, we'll, we'll try to come up with one for next time. Yeah, but I don't we'll, want. We'll I, I want to make sure that these people get. Uh, taken care of because that sucks but i want to yeah. talk to you real quick i got two more things because you guys are doing the Halloween, which i want to just has have you guys played this before i know it's it's a big thing um i had a chance to talk with uh the guys from lettuce who have been on it every year and even before it was called Halloween. is this your first experience with this or what can you tell me about it this is actually our second Halloween. i think we played it like four years ago uh, but we've been to Swanee in Florida, where the music festival is, many, many times. And it is hands down one of my favorite places to visit in the country. Uh, we've played, I have no idea how many festivals we've played, but every time we go to Swanee, it's just a purely magical experience. And Halloween always puts together an amazing lineup. Um, it's something that we wanted to do for years, and they finally tapped us, I think, in 2019. And we're coming back. And I just love it because it's just a peaceful, beautiful place to be. It's inspiring just to be there. And when you're surrounded by other great bands, the inspiration doesn't stop. So I'm excited to play and and have fun and then soak in all the, um, all the other bands that they booked. It's, it's a top to bottom phenomenal lineup. And that actually kicks off our fall tour and we go straight to new Orleans, which again is like inspiration city for music and food and then we have halloween in austin texas another incredible spot 
we're this whole fall tour we're going to some of my favorite places in the country like we're going to denver we're going to seattle we're going to portland we're going to san francisco uh san diego i think so LA, i'm in nashville I, now but it, yeah i wish you were yeah, but i don't think you're coming here unfortunately but we, you were, we were in san nashville diego. not long ago we played the brooklyn bowl it was really cool yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. i, I really didn't fun. remember seeing that yeah you're playing the observatory in san diego which is a dope venue though it's probably yeah, the coolest yeah. one in the in awesome yeah yeah so uh Halloween's gonna be great and then we fly like super hard into fall tour i'm, I'm really looking forward to it that's amazing. Were you? I mean, you guys are pretty high up in the lineup too, which is probably a really cool thing to see. I don't know where you were at four years ago on it, but uh, to be there again, kind of climbing towards the top, that's uh, got to be a great feeling. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, I try not to pay too much attention to font size. I just want to, you know, <laughs> make it make it happen once we're uh, once we're there and and do our thing. But yeah, it's an honor to be to see our name higher up on the lineups and. It's an honor we don't take lightly. We gotta, you know, show up and throw it down, and and uh, hopefully that's what we do. That's, that's why we practice so much. So yeah, it be that's fun. funny. That's funny that you said we don't pay attention to font sizes. I just remember when I worked for the radio station, we book uh, like a summer concert and a and a one in the around Christmas time, and we had a band that was going back and forth with our graphic designer who was putting together the poster about how big the name was on the font, like like their name had to be a certain you know font size and they were right you know, yeah complaining back and forth about it uh that's that yeah, <laughs> when you said that that's pretty funny um, yeah that's a that's a manager's problem which is why we're the musicians who just get to show up and have fun and and you know eat good food and catch yeah, good music and love it that. All right, my last question, so you can get to uh, <laughs> testifying. To yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, man. <clears throat> well, soak in all the inspiration, but ultimately do your thing and trust your gut. Um, and really, like, it's so basic, but, like, just have fun. You know, don't take yourself too seriously. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, you, you still need to try really hard, you know, push yourself, practice, you know, do the, do the things that aren't like glamorous and fun, like, you know, helping manage the bands, you know, promoting. Um, but, but ultimately like if you're having fun, you know, it, it, it makes all of those like work moments so much easier and so, and worth it. Um, we started this band for fun. Like I said, just to like make friends and we're still making friends and, and having fun it, it is like our full-time job but it never feels like that even when you know you know people say like if you do what you love you'd never work a day in your life and that's not true you're going to work a lot but you're going to enjoy what you're doing you're going to have no issue working hard and and you get to have fun so i don't know i mean it, yeah I, I really would just say like to not take yourself too seriously take the work seriously but not not you know take yourself too seriously and enjoy what you're doing because if you're not like you know you got to find something that makes you happy because it's it's pretty unavoidable to uh to have to work in life and if you can find something that makes the work you know go down smooth that then you've you've unlocked a big piece of the puzzle there <laughs> 